Welcome to episode 137 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined by the whole gang again this week, Ryan Topp, Paul Noonan, and Brad Ford. How are you guys holding in? Uh, doing great. I, I uh, put up a Twitter poll um, two nights ago where I let uh, Twitter decide what I was going to drink last night. Um, oh, I, I saw that. <laughs> That's four, dangerous. Four alcohol and four non-alcohol ingredients. Um, the winning vote last night was Maker's Milk, um, which... May sound gross to all of you. However, there is a recipe for bourbon punch that is Maker's Mark uh, milk and uh, vanilla and uh, nutmeg, and it's not bad. It's okay. I, I was joined by by Shaf on that and some other people who were like, "That's gross," but I'm going to try it anyway. Not too shabby. So I uh, I thought it was going to be a horrible failure, making me drink something terrible. Turned out not to be. Um, recommend doing it again. Is that like a rum chata result? <laughs> yeah, but it's it, that's actually a good comp. I didn't think about that. Rum chata is pretty dead on. Okay. I voted the last time you put up the poll for the hardest liquor option because I wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Were you trying laughs> to... <laughs> Go for the Everclear are you, or what? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you can only work with what you're given, but I was like, yeah, let's see Paul <laughs> er, drunk as he shouts about the draft, you know? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there's plenty of that in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Speaking of alcohol, I suppose, we're sponsored again this week by Carbon 4 Brewing. Which tastes uh, much better than that. Yes, yes. And that's just not the ad copy. We can we can vouch for that. You know their classic beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and the flagship banners, Sea Factory IPA. Go grab a six-pack on your next run of the grocery store. Or if you're in Madison, you can order straight from them and pick it up curbside at the brewery on Kinsman Boulevard on East Side. I highly recommend you doing that. Uh, you can also get a deal on Carbon4 merch online using our promo code MKE Tailgate at carbon4.com. That's Carbon4 Beer Brilliance. You can also help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Our ball and glove and above patrons get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and Brad, and they'll be recording a new episode this week. What are you guys working on, Brad? So we actually have scheduled an interview with Brewers prospect and recent draftee Nick Bennett. I want to talk to him and see how you know, especially as only being a half season pro, he's dealing with the development, how the Brewers are working with him to keep him on track and get an insight into how that looks for a player, especially who hasn't had a full season of minor league work before. Yeah, that's definitely interesting, especially with the talk on whether or not there's going to be a minor league season this year. So, so you'll definitely want to check that out. Sign up for Patreon to get that podcast later this week. Uh, you can also sign up and you'll get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods throughout the Packers offseason. I know you guys kind of did sort of all your post-draft stuff and, and you've got a new addition to the team, too. Uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, Archon 14, who's Ryan. He was on the last mini pod. He's going to be on a little more frequently. Um, he's now on at um, Acme Packing Company as a full timer. So um uh, looking forward to to having him around, and he's he's a great um, statistical and draft analyst. Very happy about that. Yeah, and you definitely want to check out the uh, mini pod you guys did post draft too. Yep, um, we had a, a full episode last week, and we had a mini pod before that previewing everything. That was a little bit in vain because we talked about what they should do, and of course they didn't do any of those things because they did a bunch of stuff they shouldn't do. Um, the but, exact opposite of what they probably should have done. But you right? can get a good scouting report on the Vikings' new receiver, Justin Jefferson, who the Packers should have taken. Um, so that's <laughs> that's useful. Which uh, there was a rumor that they were possibly trying to trade up for him or Ayuk. It's possible. Still, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I think Jefferson went too early for that rumor to be true. But Ayuk, I think, is that that's quite possible that that's what they were shooting for, and then San Francisco just jumped them. Um, a little bit more. They should, by the way, they've been painted as the victims a little bit for that happening to them, but do better. Like, <laughs> you're, you're a professional football front office. Don't get outflanked by, you know, the, the other, the super duper smart team in your conference. So, anyway, we've done a lot of draft coverage lately. Um, there, there's a ton of it on RAE and APC. So, and we'll do yeah, some stuff um, scouting the, the new guys as, as time goes on too, because we have to dig into these people now who we didn't know existed a couple weeks ago. I understand the, you the like John books. Runyon, though. He's fine. He, that's a good late-round pick. He's, he's solid. He's um, very much in line with Packer late-round um, offensive line picks, played tackle in college, has pretty good athleticism with some caveats there. His lateral movement's a little suspect, but um, kind of guy you could see going inside pretty easily and maybe is good enough to play outside, too. So that's a good late-round pick. Nice job. I think my favorite thing about spectating the draft was before every pick, people predicting which wide receiver they're going to take uh -huh. and then it never never happening <laughs> yep yep well here's yeah. the guys who are left maybe they'll do one of the uh 
and it was literally every pick it was (laughs) i think the the first pick when they traded up everyone was like patrick queen and then every pick after that they were like well no these guys are left (laughs) surely they will do this now yeah and they never did (laughs) <laughs> well, well we'll give paul a couple of weeks to kind of get further along on the stages of grief when it comes to the packers draft class and we'll we'll be on the lookout for those scouting reports <laughs> afterwards uh in the meantime our patrons also get question priority here on the milwaukee's tailgate podcast and you get a personal shout out when you sign up to become a patron we do have a couple of questions this week, so we'll get to those in a few minutes. And as always, even if you're not a patron, you can help people find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Moving on from all the Packers morning and, and all the draft talk there, it sounds like uh, Major League Baseball, there's some growing optimism that there might be some sort of season. What that looks like is still sort of up in the air. There's been, you know, all of those proposals floated in the past few weeks, uh, but still lots of logistics to take care of, too, before we even get to that. And they took the league took care of some of those logistics in the past week. They have a deal with the umpires now on what their pay structure would look like. They're still working on on the players but in the end it looks like the umps will be taking about a 30 percent pay reduction when and if the league gets underway here so i guess uh ryan we'll start with you does stuff like this like taking care of the finer details kind of give you more hope that we'll see baseball by june or july yeah i mean these are all things that have to happen there's going to be a big fight still with the union even though there was uh there was an agreement kind of put in place at the beginning of this but it didn't have all the details for exactly what was going to happen because they had no idea what it was even going to look like. So there is still that fight, which is going to be much larger, you would imagine, uh, trying to iron out issues like that. But these are all things that boxes that have to get checked off before we could potentially have baseball. And there's still a lot of boxes to go. Obviously, there's there's all kinds of issues with testing and logistics of where exactly this stuff is going to take place and millions of other things that, you know, we're not even thinking of. So there's still obviously a long ways to go, but it does sound like MLB is committed to doing this. And apparently, did you guys see that it was Mitch McConnell contacted Rob Manfred and said that we really need baseball? And like, that was kind of one of the things that that got this current round of things going there. There's still a lot of a lot of hurdles to clear, but these are all things that do have to be done before we can get to that point. So any positive progress in that in that vein is welcome. That sounds exactly like the type of story that the press person on that staff is in charge of writing where like actually Mitch McConnell like just casually said to Rob Manfred in a conversation like, yeah, having baseball back would be great. And then they got through this plan and the PR person was like, oh, you talked to him? Writes up 15 page long <laughs> press release that says Mitch McConnell inspired the resurgence of baseball coming back to us. Circuses before bread. uh, For the good and morale of the country, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like Ryan said, this is definitely an improvement, and it's nice to see the planning that goes into it, but we've been talking for weeks now about what they're going to have to do in order to aesthetically be able to do this without taking a hit, and that involves the testing. I mean, you're still going to have so many people, even in the major league ballparks, where I believe there is more opportunity to space people out than there are at the arizona ballpark right uh, which we'll get into in a little bit there's still so much contact so much needed interaction that you cannot go through that without having a medical solution and if that medical solution favors the rich over the people out there suffering every day you're going to face a negative backlash right yeah i think part of that and and you know we should mention all of these plans kind of are tentative on testing getting to the point where it's plentifully available and to the point where the league you know cynically doesn't take the pr (laughs) hit for having to take all of these tests but also just making sure that there's enough for the general population too before we get into stupid things like sports right so that's definitely kind of like what ryan was saying one of those things that needs to be checked off before we even get too far on these discussions but it's not like baseball is the greatest organization in the world at protecting its own public image so they would be the ones yeah. to charge through and do this just to have baseball back. I, I want baseball back. I spent so much time and, you know, I it's not even a like work type thing for me. It's just something I do for because I think it's a lot of fun. And it's one of the things I look forward to the most 
as we're going through the hell state that is winter. So trying to get through that period, like, yeah, I want it back, uh, maybe not as bad as some other people, but pretty badly. However, I want it back in the right way that's going to keep these players healthy. We just had a death of a minor league player in one of the systems that from coronavirus. Right. So, I mean, I do, it's clear that even if you're athletically fit, you aren't, you are still susceptible to yeah. this virus. That exactly. you are. It's, I think they have to be a little careful too, because um, I, I was just thinking about the day that everybody had started taking this seriously, which was when uh, Rudy Gobert um, got sick after mm-hmm. licking the microphone. Mm-hmm. I mean, from everything else that happened, like, um, you know, people warning and government that I think that really did break it. And I do think when the leagues do start to come back, uh, it will kind of work in reverse for a lot of people. Um, it'll kind of be a signal that they can maybe stop taking things quite as seriously. So I, I think they got to be careful about that too. And uh, it does kind of come down to testing. Like if, if they're, uh, they can do all the planning they want. It's nice. They're doing all this planning. This is still out of their control. Like they need to have a ton of tests available to test people all the time to be able to, you know, alert people when people have been in contact with other people um, and to tell when people have, you know, we, we just don't know if you become immune once you had it the first time, but you know, research pending, um, tell when people have had it and recovered as well. Before that happens, there's just not that much that they are in control of in terms of bringing it back. They can do all this logistical planning. But uh, on a grander scale, I do think there's some risk there that if the, the first sport to come back is kind of going to be a bellwether for especially a lot of the fans of that sport, that, okay, maybe we can start returning to normalcy. Hopefully that's true. But if, this, if, you, if you go too early, you run the risk of both starting the epidemic within your sport again by going too early and right. by setting the wrong tone for your fans going out there and getting back into society too early too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. So we already have, what is it, in Chinese Taipei? They've already been playing baseball for like a couple weeks now. Yeah. And that's Korean a, League set to start in the next week or so. Too. Yeah, no, KBO is supposed to start on Tuesday. So that is coming up. And the Bundesliga was saying it was ready to go. This is soccer we're talking about now. But the German Soccer League was saying they were ready to go. And the government put a temporary hold on that, saying we need to make sure we have everything you know, more settled here before we, we go ahead. Yep. But they were technically, they were saying they were ready to start playing games next weekend. So they're, they're close in, in terms of that, but the government still has to approve it. And that's going to happen this week if it happens. So they're going to be pushed back more towards the middle of May if they start up. But there are places on Earth where some of this stuff is starting to happen. Yeah. And these are places that have generally been pretty good about managing. You know, you hear all kinds of stories about how well the German government handled this epidemic you know, in comparison to some other places. There are places where some of the stuff is ramping up. So if you want something to take hope in, it is that, that there are places where some of this is starting to happen. Right. I think the big thing is everybody wants to be extra sure this is safe before they start. Because the last thing you want is to start back up in June or July and then a player test positive. You know, then it kind of throws everything back into chaos. Right. So you you kind of need these plans in place before you can jump back into the game and and kind of get back to normal even more than that i think you need to have a plan for going forward when a player tests positive because it's not something that you're going to be able to prevent outright it is an inevitability i'm sure yeah like i think part of starting up is maybe making that a little more public than people have where okay we know this will happen even if they take all the precautions possible you can't stop guys from going out and doing their own thing when on their off time so they need to be like, okay, if this happens, here's our plan to continue playing. Because once you start the season, you can't just take a whole team out of, out of rotation. Uh, right. It, um, it's got to be, we're going to track this, segregate this. You know, If you've got to shut people down for two weeks and bring up a bunch of minor leaguers, maybe that's what you have to do, honestly. <laughs> maybe that's part of the plan. But if they're going to go forward, they need to have a plan to continue playing baseball if a player tests positive for COVID-19. That's all there is to it. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, there there's some of that talks to, I think, maybe the contingency plan of the ideas being floated of basically a secondary roster or expanded taxi yep. squad with the minor leaguers or whatever, especially with the question on whether or not we're going to even have minor league baseball. You know, maybe do you keep a, a group of those players that you just say, stay hot for lack of a better term, and you kind of have that expanded taxi squad. Right, and after they worked so hard to shrink roster expansion now part of the talks is to have expanded rosters to accommodate this which is fun uh yeah benefits yep. the brewers i always enjoy that i mean they've already settled that uh rosters are going to be 29 this year if and when mm-hmm. baseball comes back like that yeah. was part of that original deal with the union was. way back in march so that's and i'm yeah, sure they're going to be see. even bigger than that honestly yeah, uh, because you have to have that contingency, even if the player follows everything perfectly, then look at their family like, you, you know, right. their family still has to go out, get groceries, interact with the day to day world. And exactly. not every you can interact with people who aren't being safe. You don't wash your hands for a second. I mean, there's a bunch of ways to get it. And I think the thing that people need to understand is even in the global impact, re- reducing the curb isn't about preventing everyone from getting it it's just preventing a ton of people from getting it at the same time yep chances are a lot of us are still going to get it regardless it's just our lives are more likely to be saved yeah right our lives will be saved because the hospitals will be able to handle us coming in when we get it if we need to go in exactly Uh, so right with that being the case of this virus like paul said it someone's getting it it's inevitable. Yeah. Someone on a major league roster yes, will get it, it, and it will probably happen during the season. Yeah, the big uh, thing with the disease is it's super contagious. It, it's I don't want to minimize it by saying it's not that fatal because two percent of or you know between one and two percent is very fatal, especially compared to other diseases. But the main reason it's so dangerous is because it's so contagious, and so many people are at risk for getting it. Like, right. yeah, not there's no way to control contact. it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a high volume the- disease. It's the Amazon of diseases. It gets everybody at a low rate and <laughs> picks off yeah. you know, a ton of people because of it. That's, um, not to go back to football, but my favorite NFL draft conspiracy was uh, teams drafting good backup quarterbacks just in case they're if or when their starter gets COVID. Yeah, you know? I don't think I don't think it's really a conspiracy. I, I think no, um, no. there's definitely more of a backup. I, I used to be very dismissive of backup quarterbacks. So that you know, if Rodgers gets hurt, your your season's just done. Now, with this around, there's a good chance that quarterbacks will miss parts of seasons. And now, you know, if your backup's actually going to have to play meaningful games, it does matter quite a bit. And then you saw what Seneca Wallace could do, and you were, your mind was changed altogether. <laughs> um, didn't he well, play, like, two quarters before he got injured? <laughs> that season was so weird. We shouldn't base anything off of that season. Um, he was very bad, but uh, I think part of the idea was if Rodgers is hurt, you're going to be bad anyway and not make the playoffs. So having a right. bad quarterback is actually okay. Cause then you tank the season and get better draft picks. But um, since they actually were able to rally uh, the, the NFC North is so incompetent that they allow this to happen all the time and make the playoffs at eight, seven and one and stuff like that. But um, well, there is a, an a odd tale, uh, not to get too far into football, but yeah, just there's, there's, this odd tale. <laughs> the there's, podcast, this, yeah. there's this odd tale of the NFC North that I wish was in the NL Central, where they almost beg the Packers to make the playoffs. They do. They're like, they're, go ahead, do it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're as bad as the Packers. So the Packers had the worst draft of anybody, but the Bears had a terrible draft as well. The Lions have no idea what they're doing. Uh, not, a, not a clue. The Vikings are good. They're smart. They just don't have a they have an okay but not great quarterback continues that comparison that packers really are just the st louis cardinals they are they're the cardinals because look how many times the i mean the cardinals won that one world series and didn't they go 81 to 81 to sneak into the wild card that year in like 08 83 wins or Or, something they won the division that was like they won the division at 83 wins yeah Yeah. yes uh because 08 was our year with the cubs cubs lost the dodgers we lose to the phillies so 06 was the 83 win year yeah so and then weren't the Rockies too in 07, like a just a smidge over 80 wins? <laughs> yeah, there was a year the NL West winner had. I don't, I don't know if they were even over 500. Well, the famous no, one is the check. Twins won with 86 wins in 87. They were an 86 yeah. win team. That was like, a good one. Yeah, like they're yeah. they're yeah. bad. There was actually remember the strike year in '94. I think the division leader when the strike happened was 10 games under 500 in the AL West because that was the weird four-team division, and they were all terrible. 
And there was, yeah, I mean, we were looking at potentially having a sub 500 team, maybe significantly sub 500 team in the playoffs, because that was also before the uh, unbalanced schedule. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, crazy. Well, on the topic of divisions, uh, one of the proposals for getting baseball back would include a kind of radical realignment. So a couple of weeks ago, we had talked about sort of the Arizona plan and kind of keeping teams uh, grouped together based on where they play in spring training. And and we all kind of like the idea of finding out who actually played for the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> so this this new idea being floated out, we'd still get to know the Royals, but we'd also get to know some other players on the Detroit Tigers too. <laughs> so the, the idea that's being floated right now is three 10 team divisions based on geography the key to this plan would be that teams could play in their home stadiums uh, but you would only play teams in your division so for the brewers that would mean a division against both chicago teams the cubs and the white Sox, along with the cardinals our favorite kansas city royals the cincinnati reds who may be good uh cleveland minnesota atlanta and detroit uh so we were talking about this before i think brad you had said this is definitely or Paul, maybe it was you. You had said this is definitely tougher than uh, the Arizona division. Yeah, it was Brad, but it, it was Brad. Is, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so the Arizona division was was uh, cakewalk for the Brewers. This seems a little bit tougher. Right. Well, you have uh, the Cubs who wanted to downgrade their roster, but really it still is what it was, which is fine. Yeah. It's a team that has the potential to overachieve or maybe actually achieved expectations, I should say, not underachieved for once. Uh, The White Sox are in a very good place themselves as a team uh, with a developing rotation and stealing Yasamani Grandal from David Stearns, who we all assumed was trying to be too patient with the market. Uh, The Cardinals, who we just talked about, will always find a way to fight in the division. Kansas City, meh. Cincinnati, I just think it's so funny that they banked on this win now strategy to oh, lose half a season. This is great. Yeah, we spent all winter winter asking, are the Reds good yet? Right. Also, then- if the Reds get dumped into this, um, I mean, their roster in the central is like, okay, we've given ourselves a puncher's chance with all this money. Looks okay. In this division, they become much, much like less heavily favored. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cleveland is kind of in a cub state right now where they have a lot of good players, but you don't know how they're going to perform uh, where they can either be a 100 win team or a 75 win team just based on how things swing for their talent, really, because you never with that team. It always seems like a they have a very injury prone rotation that's also very strong uh, in Bieber, Clevenger and then Cookie Carrasco, who I think is still technically recovering from. Uh, his cancer treatments. Right. Uh, the Twins only got stronger this year. The okay. Braves are the set to be the future powerhouse of the NL. And then there's Detroit, which is cool. The Tigers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we can beat them. <laughs> uh, I think the biggest advantage, though, is if you're looking at this, what we talked about earlier with the expanded rosters, is these are teams you that Craig Council can outmanage, but outmanaging is only good for... An extra win a series, generally speaking, what? it isn't. <laughs> that seems like a lot. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a lot. No, not a win a series. I mean, like a season series. So like oh, the sixteen okay. games. Sorry, I should be more clear. A win a season <laughs> series, not a win a series. Otherwise, we'd be two or three be every. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like at best, it's a win in those sixteen games in a normal season that you play against a rival, and in a shortened a hundred games, not knowing quite how many you're going to play against these rivals, yeah. it would be fun to see some really really good teams that you don't get a good peek at. Like right, uh, so Francisco Lindor is an amazingly fun player to watch. Getting to see him on the regular would be a pain as a person who wants the Brewers to succeed, but in terms of a person who loves talented baseball players, awesome. We don't get to see enough of the Braves, and they have an incredibly talented young roster right now. But at the same time, I don't really want them in my division. I barely wanted some of these teams in my division to start with. And yeah, now right. here they are. It's interesting because yep. this is essentially just the NL Central and the AL Central combined together, except they swap right. out the Pirates and the Braves. Right, right. Which is, is that the, them admitting that the Pirates should never have been in the NL Central and the Braves Maybe. should be in there? I, the Pirates are a weird fit. They've always been a weird yeah. fit. Yeah, it's because, uh, what, uh, it's a Midwest town on the East Coast, more or less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in an yeah. East Coast state, but they're on the western edge of it, so they're the kind of... The problem is Pennsylvania is a dumb state. It's 
<laughs> it's set the wrong way, so it should be two states. And I mean, Pittsburgh is not that far away, really. It, no, it, they're they're a decent fit. It's just that Pennsylvania is bizarre. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think the Braves are a little miscast there as well because they are. I mean, they're a southern city, and there's a bunch of southern places around there where they could play too so right um, isn't that funny that like everything else is like a max six hour commute then you have the braves, braves yeah. <laughs> i mean the braves have consistently always been in the wrong division though right like they've played yeah. the nl west for years so that's like, true yeah they were always yeah. miss yeah they were always misplaced the interesting thing here is that i guess specifically for brewer fans too i you know this setup would kind of allow the you know, older generation to kind of relive some of those older rivalries with uh, the White Sox and the in the Twins and all that stuff too. You yeah, know, true. put the Baltimore Orioles in there. Yeah, <laughs> really, really crank up the nostalgia. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so definitely, this is a, a. I think probably maybe one of the more competitive ones. I haven't taken a closer look at the East and the West, but you know, I. It seems like at least there are a lot of teams here that are either on the rise or are consistent powers, right? So it, it definitely would be a challenge to see the Brewers play this. Uh, I guess if there's good news, it's that if this came to be, there would be an expanded playoffs. I don't think we've seen anything on how many teams would be in there or not. Uh, but it's not like you would have to beat out all nine or eight other teams, you know? So, right. I mean, there, there's that hope of optimism too. But yeah, at least, you know, Brad ran through everybody. There's there's something on just about every team to kind of be worried or scared about. And then you have the Royals and the Tigers. Yeah. But also, just, just glancing at this, and I, I know that there'd be a shortened season, but there's a lot of open-air stadiums in that division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I suspect you'd see more games in Miller Park than they otherwise would be planning in the first place. Especially in the playoffs, right? Yeah. If you're going to squeeze in 100 games, you're likely going to exactly. run past September. Yeah, those those hundred game setups are kind of assuming what extended playoffs and yeah yeah exactly and yep. and playoffs would extend into November potentially, uh, so you potentially have like a Thanksgiving World Series. So can't wait to play the World Series in Minnesota in late November. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, so they probably I, I, would go neutral site for that. Oh, like, they're gonna yeah. they'll pull yeah. they'll pull two. Everything's on the table here. So yeah, I think I, we've even heard them talk about neutral playoff sites anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If no, if fans can't go, it doesn't matter where it is. Frank, I mean, it matters a little bit, but not much. Play them all in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The most beautiful MLB stadium there is. <laughs> when I talk about a stadium that looks like a hangar. <laughs> Wait, do they still have the hotel there? Like, yes, they o- do. Overlooking. They do. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, or or. Didn't they play that game in Montreal? Do that again. Yeah. Stadio is still there. Destroy right. everybody's knees for a season. There you go. <laughs> so this idea of realignment uh, actually brings us to our first Patreon question. It's from, I'm going to butcher this, Asilatam. It's basically Metallica backwards. So think of it that way. Uh, one of our new Metallica patrons. Backwards. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to do that going forward. So sorry. I know you put a lot of effort into that username, but I'm just going to say Metallica backwards. It's Metallica uh, <laughs> exactly so so he's asking some you know c- considering some of these proposals for realignment uh do you think that kind of could open the door in the future for permanent uh he calls it radical realignment so do, do you think kind of this is maybe the league dipping their toes in the water uh to see kind of what works uh, paul we'll start with you i don't think there is that intention behind it but they always pay attention to things like this and they always have their eyes on things like expansion to a lesser degree contraction, but who knows what the world's going to look like after this too. So if they come to, like, they're going to, they'll study if the season goes forward like this with these divisions, they'll definitely do some work as to, you know, what, where ratings lie. Um, fan travels probably out of the question. So I don't think they'll be able to get anything too useful out of it, but it'll be a data point for them. If realignment comes up again in the future for whatever reason. And I mean, absolutely. They, they always have everything in mind when they have an opportunity to study it. Baseball is the most studious of sports. Like, they have super sophisticated front offices. They're big data savants across the board. This is not football with a bunch, well, a third of the teams having just redneck idiots running them. So they will absolutely study everything there is. And, it, you know, realignment comes up every once in a while. They got to move teams around for various reasons. They'll rely on this, uh, this little experiment if it happens when they, when they get to that for sure. 
Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. They have been looking at doing radical realignment. That that has been something they've floated repeatedly in the Manfred era, though they've never gotten real specific with it. But they've they've talked about it. There's been chatter, and they will definitely use the information they get from this to inform changes that they want to make. I think that it it's a little bit of a tricky time to do that because I think baseball is going to be they're going to want to be cautious about making too many radical changes all at once because then you can sort of feel like, well, this isn't really the sport that uh, I grew up with and fell in love with and and all of that. So they're going to have to be right. somewhat careful of that, but they will definitely push, you know, if, if they have data that shows that it's much, much better for them to play all these games closer by because, you know, you get more traveling fans and all of that they're going to push in that direction as much as they can, probably about as quickly as they can, inevitably. Like, that's the way they're going to go. It's just sort of a question of how fast and how cautiously they need to move. Yeah. I think that's how a smart organization would look at it. But Rob Manfred just loves to leave his fingerprints on things. And as the resident Rob Manfred hater, I don't think he has the tact or decency to try to restore us to a normalcy before making an extreme change. I think he'll come out of the season saying DH for all, which they should do all universal DH for the season anyway, to protect pitchers coming out of yeah. a shortened and abbreviated likely revamp up. Uh, and then it's so easy to transition to 2021 and say, actually, it worked so well last year, we're keeping it. And since we everyone has DH now, we don't need to worry about it. So DH for everyone. And now divisions don't matter. So let's mix that all up because <laughs> Rob Manfred loves to just rip the bandaid off. He obviously wants to make a – I think he's doing a bad job at it, but he's trying to do his job, which is to make baseball more watchable. And I think these are things he believes makes it more watchable and entertaining. There are things I've – have agreed with most of them i think just come with very little precaution and understanding of or research and tact going into it and that's the larger issue or co just come out and explain why it's an act like use the science to say this is why it is a benefit <laughs> just, rather than just like yeah three pictures three batter minimum now that's the rule Right. He, he he is not one to, in his short tenure, hold traditional baseball to a high standard for the sake of fan sentimentality, which is good and bad. Yeah, it's fine. Sure. Yeah, I think I think I can see both sides of this. Kind of see where you're coming from, Brad, in that Manfred has kind of said, uh, you know, screw tradition, more or less, in his short tenure as commissioner. At the same time, I think baseball is still a sport that very much values at least the traditional rivalries, right? So, I, and I don't know how many of these uh, rivalries would really be affected with this layout. I mean, you in this, in this uh, scenario, you still have Cubs-Cardinals, you still have Brewers-Cubs, you still have so I I, th I think a lot of those are still protected. And you even have some of those informal interleague rivalries that have been built up throughout the right. years. Right, Brewers, Twins, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, um, the Chicago series, obviously. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, like, I think where this could maybe open the door for the realignment in the future is it, it sort of does recognize that baseball is now a very regional game right like they've tried for so long to kind of make it the national sport that maybe the nba or the nfl is and it just doesn't work because baseball fandom is just so regional it's it's kind of unique in that regard and i think this kind of protects that um and kind of recognizes that right so you you have your out west division you have your central division you have your eastern division yep. so i think that kind of highlights and maybe kind of accepts in a way the regional nature of the sports and can kind of open the door for experimenting with opening up the playoffs to be that time where you really only see those teams outside of your region in that time too and kind of restore some of that special feeling that you know maybe some people feel the wild card or interleague play lost so one of the things i think would upset me the most just in general rob manfred changes is if he actually got the playoffs to be seven or eight teams because that's like one of the things i hate the most about the nba is that literally half the teams it's a 50 percent chance to get in the playoffs and it often means nothing because it basically creates a first round buy for the one and two seed yep. because they're playing right. such awful teams except that one but, time 
except that one. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the under 508 seed basically happening, right? right. Yeah. I mean, look how shameful it has been every time it happens. And then they talk about, well, should we be doing a wild card scenario? Should it all just be one, the NL and the AL and the top four teams get in? Which probably yes. Uh, but I like the division thing. I, I think that keeps a fun aspect to it. It helps enforce rivalries. It helps create yeah. that. But if he, I, I, it's an old man, Greg, because look at how much other people hate the wild card and the third division, but still 20 years, 30 years, <laughs> 20 years right. after it's been in action. I like that because I do think more playoff opportunities within reason are good. But once you start getting to a 78 win team getting into the playoffs, that's insulting. Yeah. I think you want to, you want to create incentives for teams that are good to improve. Um, and if you go too far with that, you, you actually start to strip those incentives away because you can squeak into the last spot without actually adding people or payroll or improving. So you want to have that cycle through of um, teams getting better, teams getting worse. So that everybody gets a chance to be competitive. If you have too many playoff teams, you start to lose a little bit of that, especially in a sport like baseball where there's a little bit more luck involved and you can ride one or two dominant starters in the playoffs and win this playoff series. Like like I joked about the NBA that one time. It, it's just that one time, like the Denver Nuggets upset. Um, I forget who, but um, oh, they were the Seattle. It was Seattle. No, Seattle. That's right. Seattle. It was, um, upset Seattle. Um, this happened once, you know, in baseball, um, uh, the worst team beats the better team in a series pretty frequently. Right. So um, it's a different animal and there's less, really less drive to get better if if you can just sneak into the playoffs, because if you get hot, you can actually win the whole thing. Not easily, but reasonably. Well, I mean, the the goal for this or the, the way forward for this is what they've already shown with the wild card and maybe not in this exact format, but a weighted system where yeah. there is value to winning your division. And then for being, you know, finishing second place, yes, you're still going to have a chance to like win your way in, but it's going to be very coin flippy and very, you know, yeah, kind I of like luck based. I like the current wild card. For, I know people complain about it every year, um, but I disagree with those complaints a lot. I, I like that you like win your division or suffer through this penalty of not winning your division. The problem That's I have I, with I, it is my that my team just got hurt by it, so I'm not like sour grapes on it at all. Yeah, the problem with it is when you have a team that is like fortunate to be playing in a very bad division getting to skate in and a team that was you know a clearly superior team to that team is now forced to play a, a wild card game like i mean I, those get annoying. Uh, yeah, yes no because that's also the situation that the wild card is addressing it's like we recognize that this does happen so here's your opportunity to get in too Right. I mean, you're kind of cutting it both ways a little bit um, if you complain about that aspect of it, because it both punishes you for not winning a division, but also allows for that extra that dominant team an avenue into the playoffs. Like, sure. uh, I kind of see it as best of both worlds to a large extent. Baseball is an entertainment industry. It is. It is. And when you get down to the core fundamental, very on par with Hollywood in terms of it is designed to make money and entertain. And. Uh, Although my I have slight issues with the wild card, I still prefer it because even when our team got ousted out of it, that is an entertaining game from most viewpoints, mm-hmm. except for the, yeah. the team's fandom. That is an entertaining game to watch. So like, if you're not a Brewers fan, everyone else watches that game and they're like, holy cow, what a fun yeah. baseball TPS game that just happened. Whoever could not have asked for a better wild card game last year. Yeah, right. and a lot of those games have, have that drama too. So... Mm-hmm. I, I know uh, Pirates fans are especially salty about the one-game playoff because they had some of the best teams they've ever had get knocked out in, in you know, those low-scoring, one-bounce-of-the-ball kind of games, but it definitely adds that drama. Maybe and, get rid of your stupid manager to go along with your excellent players then. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like, it opened this door for a World Series champion. Yeah. Like, yeah, that I mean, it's hard to argue against losing to the Nationals when they ended up beating everyone else in practically the same way. Wait until the last damn second and then did it. Right, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it very team of destiny vibe on that yeah. one too. And, yeah. it, and it, it's kind of hurts as a Brewers fan, you know, to be like, well, maybe that could have been us, but also there's no chance in hell they were beating the Astros. Yeah, so they, <laughs> the, the difference was they had Rendon and 
the Brewers did not have Yelich. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you know, Strasburg and Scherzer and Corbin right. and all of those. But, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, you're, you're not going to get through. I just have a hard time believing you're going to get through that without your best player. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting uh, realignment proposal. And we'll kind of have to see where this shakes out. Obviously, you know, we're still at least a month away from even kind of thinking about baseball coming back. But if it's a late June, early July thing, maybe this materializes and we'll have a lot more fun to talk about. In the meantime, that kind of covers all the baseball news, but to, to kind of uh, fill things out and have a little fun today, Ryan is bringing back guess that brewer. So I, I kind of dominated this the last time. So hopefully the other guys get a chance to nope, still bad at this, but we'll it. see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, still awful at this. I don't know where anybody so, played, where the college is from, how old they are, anything like that. No. Um, somehow I was good at this and totally bombed the all time draft. So I don't know. It's a weird dichotomy here. Yeah. But... Can we address that Paul and I tied? What is this? I'm kissing my cousin. <laughs> Was that the poll result? I didn't. I didn't see the final. Yeah, that was the poll result. It was forty-one to forty-one percent. Although I did openly campaign, and Paul did not. That's true. And And also, Andy voted for you instead of me. Which screw you, Andy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. It's. I. I think I'll give the tiebreaker to the team with two Hall of Famers on it, but that's probably. (laughs) Look, they were Hall of Fame caliber when they were with the Brewers, and that's what the draft was about. Meanwhile, if, if Brian, uh, Ryan Braun never fails eight piss tests, he's a Hall of Famer. And then, hard, so, hard to argue with that. that. Yeah. Uh, well, hey. the funny thing is, I didn't even have Braun. So. No, I had Braun. <laughs> I had uh, Australian Baseball Hall of Famer Dave Nielsen. <laughs> yes, you <probably>. did. <laughs> I think that came we, up a few we times. Gave you, we mostly you, James, gave yourself a lot of hell for that, but. He once he got to DH, that was a pretty good place to have him. That's, 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 that's I could have made a better pick. Anyway, <laughs> let's not live in the past. How about that, uh, Ryan? What what have we got for guess that Brewer this week? All right, we got two of them again, and we're going to start with the more recent player. So the player I'm thinking of was born November twenty eighth, nineteen eighty three. Ben Sheets. That is incorrect. Oh, <laughs> Also, yeah, he had to have been born in the 70s, right? Uh, I just was going to shout out Ben Sheets regardless. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He was born in Santiago in the Dominican Republic. Okay. When he originally signed, it was with the San Francisco Giants. Made his big league debut for the Brewers on May 23rd, 2006, in Cincinnati. Oh, boy. Shoot, I should. You want to take a shot? The Giants thing is throwing me off. Otherwise, I'd guess. Uh, shoot. I was worried that was going to give it away to you. So I'm, I'm glad that that's. See, I, I should probably know it. And I'm, I'm struggling to do the math on the age, too. So, shoot. All right. This, See, this I had a good feeling, but 2006 threw me off. Yeah. yeah. After leaving time. Milwaukee, he also played for the Blue Jays, Cubs, Cards, and Padres. Oh, Carlos Villanueva. There you go. Yeah. Damn. So the okay. other clues right. were it was going to be, um, though he finished that game, when he came back up in June, he joined the rotation where he pitched for the rest of the season. From 2006 to 2010, he threw 425 innings for the Brewers, posting a 4.34 ERA, which was good for a 99 OPS or uh, ERA plus. So he's basically exactly league average in that time. BT Dubs, he was good for a while. Yeah, current Brewer front office member Carlos Villanueva. You're you're getting ahead of me here. Sorry, sorry. In his time, same name as contemporaneous Milwaukee Buck. Yep, there's that. Uh, in his in his time in Milwaukee, he started 27 games and finished 47. And finally, in 2018, he returned to work for the Brewers as a special advisor. All so, right. those Which definitely would have given it away to me because I think we addressed that in the minor league podcast, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So now we got to go. I didn't know he signed with the Giants. Anyway. So okay. we're we're officially at uh, James has two and Brad has one. 
Just for the record, I will finish the season with zero. And as long as we do the podcast, I will never get one of these. I think you might actually have this one, Paul. Okay. So we will see. Okay. Oh, it's an old man brewer. Throwback. Doesn't matter. Throwback. I don't know anything about the old man brewers either. So. All right. So this guy was born June 19th, 1950. Okay. In Long Beach, California. He was drafted by the Seattle Pilots in the 15th round of the 1969 baseball draft. Jim Gantner. That no, is I'm incorrect. Kidding. I'm kidding. Ned Yost? It is incorrect. Ah. Oh. Made his big league debut for the Brewers April 14th, 1971, where he threw six shutout innings. All right. Led the American League with 287 hits allowed in 1976. Uh, That's the only guess. black ink on his page, by the way. Mm. <laughs> is it? Uh, is it Jerry Augustine? It Saint is Jerry? not Augustine. It is uh, not. No, nope. yeah, I okay. think Augustine's a little bit later. Yeah, I'm actually I'm bad at the early 70s. I don't don't know a lot of guys who were there um i i have one pitcher to guess and it's teddy Hagera, who is nowhere no near Not this player yeah no he, i'm a decade early and yeah. also the wrong country because i believe he was from mexico i mean long I beach long beach is close yes it's teddy Hagera. that's all i have juan Nieves <laughs> too who is also everybody, very late <laughs> everybody i can think of i'm pretty sure it was not on the 71 team so um, I'm not going to get it. Well, uh, just wait. Just wait. Okay. Made his only all-star game in 1977. Okay. Threw over 200 innings every year from 1973 to 1979. Mike Caldwell. Caldwell. Yeah. That is incorrect. And you got to say stop because no. you can't yeah. just oh, yell out. Yeah. You got to go stop. And then, yeah. <laughs> and well, then we need a buzzer uh, system, Brian. Why don't you have an online buzzer system where I click it, you get a light that lights up, and we can see that Brad was first because he wins everything because he guesses every round. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you should be disqualified. Throwing yeah, out probably a long time ago. <laughs> All right. Uh, you got one, James? It's not called Larry Sorensen? It is not Larry Sorensen. Uh, James I, didn't uh, say stop. I want him disqualified. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Technically correct is the best kind of correct. Yeah. Okay. Was worth 17.3 baseball reference war in his career. Well, hell. Okay. I got one other guess. Not me. I got nothing. Jim Slayton. It is Jim Slayton. Yes. Would this have given oh, it? God. Would this have given it away? Played in Milwaukee from 1971 to 1983, with the exception of 1978, which he spent in Detroit after being traded to uh, from the Brewers as part of the Ben Ogilvie trade. No. Nope. Yep. Jim Slayton was traded for Ben Ogilvie and then immediately signed as a free agent with the Brewers and came back and was with them until 1983, where he and was traded again. They're uh, good at getting the people they trade right. back. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So we have Jim Slayton and uh, Carlos Villanueva were the two oh, from this all right. week. All I right. have a weird knowledge of the semi-mediocre late 70s, early 80s Brewers pitchers. I mean, Slayton was a pretty solid. A he was like Slayton was a pretty yeah. solid guy for a long time for them in the rotation, like big time inning eater and. You know, just kind of that third starter that you need to have around to be kind of good. And but it's he, really yeah. funny looking at pitching back then too, because the success in pitching was very different compared to how we currently measure it. Right. Oh. Oh. So. Yeah. When you look like at strikeout rates and two hundred innings <laughs> with one hundred and twenty strikeouts, or yeah, exactly. well, like two hundred eighty innings with one hundred twenty <laughs> strikeouts. Exactly. exactly. But not even necessarily in like the strikeout, even just in the runs allowed. Like it was a, it was more permissible to be a flawed pitcher than it is now. Now, if you don't have a two five ERA, you can never be on ace tier. There, you could win the Cy Young with a three point six. Yep. Yeah, Vuk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to credit all my my uh, historical out-of-the-park baseball games to uh, my knowledge of the <laughs> late 70s. I, I know nothing about the 70s, and I know almost nothing about the 90s. 
I was I was so, impressed like, that you went Sorensen before Slayton, though. I I don't know. Yeah, I guess was was uh, Slayton a lefty or no? I was Sorensen ready. was wasn't he? Okay. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I I just kind of guessed on any of those, so I I'll take the win, I guess, but I will I won't be confident about it. <laughs> All right. Well, on the topic of of old Brewers and uh, maybe bad teams, we do have another Patreon question. So we we sent out the request for questions, and Brian Polakowski asked, "Would you take games guaranteed starting tomorrow, with the caveat that it has to be the 106 loss 2002 Brewers taking the field? <laughs> Are you that hard up for baseball that you would watch the 2002 Brewers right now, Paul? Uh, um, uh, it depends on the implications of why they're playing. Like if it's like." Vaccines have been developed and society is back. Absolutely, yes. Um, but um, if it's just the plan that they have starting tomorrow with social distancing and massive effect and keeping people quarantined, no, no, not that hard up. I'm, I pass. I, I'll wait for um, things to go their way and society to get itself ironed out in the actual current Brewer team. I will, um, I'm not pushing for baseball that hard that it, like a month in advance of terrible, terrible Brewers teams is gonna is gonna do it for me. Yeah, exactly. I can, this I can is wait. this is all about like what the implications of it are. Because if it's <laughs> if it's that we get to go back to normal life, then a hundred percent. Like, yeah, I would <laughs> I would trade a lot more than that for that. So. I'll watch any I'll watch any Brewer team for a season to have society go back to normal. Uh, pick if that's the worst one ever. Fine. I think there might be a couple maybe that are less enjoyable than that one actually but yeah i'll i'll take one for the team there but no no not just to get baseball back as a goal in and of itself that's terrible as the guy who was worried less about the social and community responsibility of this and thinking more of it just from like you get baseball back and everything's guaranteed safe uh yeah i would do it because i think rebuilds are fun okay so also is this does this implicate time travel or just to the talent levels? I, of think, the, I think it's just the talent level. The like, talent level. Be see, willing the, to watch the talent level. That's even that's even a bigger thing, because if the current brewers have to assume the talent levels of the 20, the 2002 brewers in some kind of space jam type thing, that's <laughs> that's bad, too, because that's then you have like Christian Yelich just now topping out at uh, who is the best 2002 brewer. I don't even know off the top of my head. But, Sexton, but probably Jenkins. Sexton, Sexton, probably Sexton. Jenkins. Yeah. So if yeah. Christian Yelich is ceiling or you know is is not having a Richie Sexton season, that's no good either. That that portends poorly for the future. So I'm yeah, still but not. Yeah, you on... could bench sheets. You know, whatever. So Brandon yeah. Woodruff is your bench sheets. <laughs> get hurt right away again. So that's not good either. I'm I'm, I'm not in for this. It's bad. Um, <laughs> if, I'm not assuming a Space Jam Justin situation Jared. and just Justin. taking the outcome. Um, is now Mark Loretta. Is that right? That's also not good. I'm eh, not down maybe. with that. This uh, this might have to be a podcast topic in the future as as we wait for baseball to come back. Like, <laughs> who are your Space Jam Brewers? <laughs> Didn't we kind of do that with the draft? <laughs> eh, no, we're not talking about that. <laughs> so no, I think on all Christian, the Yelich, Christian Yelich stays Christian Yelich, but Lorenzo Kane gets the power of Robin Yount. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Brady Clark. Uh, yeah. The George Murison and Muxy Bogues of that team. Yeah. Uh, we have another Patreon question. Another one from uh, Metallica backwards. Uh, he's asking, with the loss of revenue this year, will MLB be more willing to expand in order to get the franchise fees and make up money that way? Um, in theory, it would also preserve eight more minor league teams, create two spring training facilities, more infrastructure in Central and South America, that kind of thing. So I guess does this kind of thing, Brad, we'll go with you first. Does this kind of make sense in terms of kind of recouping money or do you think it, they're already kind of stretched thin? Wouldn't that have more upfront costs than immediate financial benefit? Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. like the, I don't think in a year where this is the one year where when the brewers come back and say the books are in the red, we can't argue with them. I don't think yeah. in a year like that, we can, they, they can assume the cost of expanding teams. Even if the owners are the ones who take on the cost, you're the thing. You're, you're still looking at a lot of billionaires who are actually dealing with a little bit of financial hardship who for the first time in a long time might have some risk in their money. They, they, 
I think even finding people to take this investment would be hard, but the upfront costs would be much too significant to really make that something that is a plausible future. Yeah, let's not overstate billionaires' um, ability to withstand this because they'll all be fine. But, yes, uh, but in their but, own, I'm stating from their own. They mind. still hate losing money. They hate losing, yes. hate losing money, and uh, capital is tight. Like nobody, uh, it, there, there are no people making big capital expenditures in any business right now. And to um, buy or you know create a baseball team, uh, it, you asked about the fees. Um, there's not ways to raise money to pay those fees right now. At least not palatable ways for most people. Um, most billionaires. So um, it, it would be, I'm sure baseball would love to have a big influx of money, but there's nobody who's going to pay in this current situation um, that is so uncertain at this moment. It's hard it's, to raise money. It's And it's different than A-Rod and J-Lo buying the Mets because the Mets are an established existing franchise. Sure. Yeah. There, there's a lot less upfront in that expense. And yeah, like billionaires are going to have billions. It's not like Jeff Bezos is losing, shedding trillions of dollars. He He's losing, her, but at the same time, rich people love their money, regardless of how much they have. And they're going to cling on to it until they feel that they have that flexibility. Yeah, I mean, sure. there's history for this in baseball. The reason that baseball expanded in 1993 was because the uh, big judgments came down against them in the 80s from the collusion cases. And the owners were like, well, let's just sell a couple new teams and we're going to raise a vast majority of the money that way through the franchise fees. So they didn't have to take the hit in the wallet themselves. They just created money out of nothing. And then they liked that so much and it worked so well for them in 93 that they decided, oh, we can do this again in 98 and actually, you know, get to keep more of that money for ourselves. So this is... There is a, a well-worn path here, but as you guys are pointing out, yeah, like just being able to do that right now is going to be difficult and things are going to have to get back to a much more stable place before they could think of, of doing that unless they purposely just want to like dilute their product, which seems weird to me. I, I don't think they would do that. No, so I don't think so. Yeah. Right. The only way I can see that being a reality is if somehow the markets get back up to where they were in January by the end of October. Yeah, I mean, this is this is more of a long-term thing that they would be looking right. at. And again, yeah. baseball was looking to expand potentially in the not distant yes. future just recently. So like this was something that was being much like the realignment talk. This was something that was being considered. And actually, those two went hand in hand because if they expanded, yeah. then that would be a cause for having to do some pretty radical realignment. So I also just think all sports teams are constantly looking to expand because sure money. money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And two, that solves the it helps solves the regional nature that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I should bring point out in uh, OOTP the 2020 version, so last year's version, um, mm -hmm. the one that dealt with the 19 season. After the first year, they expanded by two cities. One was in San Antonio, and the other was in Charlotte. Nice. Why do they always go to like Texas, California, or Florida? I bet these idiot like owners would create another Florida team, like the oh, one state that cannot get attendance, Orlando they, or something. Yeah. yeah, I I realize that no one smart would do that, but at the same time, I feel like sometimes billionaires are so stupid with their money that they would be like, "Well, what about another Florida team?" and then have another empty stadium. I think they would sell it to hubris. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think they would it sell it certain... to whoever like was willing to pay the franchise fee as long as it didn't tread on pre-existing right. rights. Like it's that's the same it's going to have to be Milwaukee kinda... can never get an NHL team, right? Right. Like yes, because it treads on the Blackhawks. Yep. So obviously it's just a fun thing to joke about because it seems they just love to like cram these things all into one state. I think Las Vegas would be an obvious destination, especially now that they have a football team. Um, they, yeah, they, team. yeah. Yeah. They just uh, redid their minor league baseball stadium, but at the same time, altitude have, there would suck. Yep. But and the would. heat, and the <laughs> heat. I mean, playing yeah. in the, but I mean, you have the Arizona, I mean, it's almost have, like no one should live there. Yep. It's yeah. It's almost like they just plopped a city down in the middle of the desert where it doesn't make sense. I think Portland it's, and um, Charlotte are the two leaders. Honestly, Vegas maybe would be an emerging one, but you would have to build a climate-controlled stadium because you're not playing 
outside in the summer in vegas like that's just not going to happen so well and man in the manfred era they've talked about international um which is mentioned here in the question is Mm -hmm. looking at they've looked at what it would take to get a pro team in mexico and Mm -hmm. possibly another team back in canada Yep. I mean yeah. that's that's a possibility, yeah. but I sure. I think it's more realistic you stay in the states. Yeah, and again, get like the Hawaii baseball said. team we all want. <laughs> like you guys said too, it, it's kind of a financial precarious financial situation for a lot of teams right now too. I think you know they're looking for ways to not pay players the full salary this year, that kind of thing. Um, I'm kind of going off script here, but it kind of popped in my head. Do you guys think? Uh, you know, with with the financial situation, does that kind of lead more teams to maybe consider uh, rebuilding, tanking, cutting costs? Like, could we see the Brewer? You know, do the Brewers regret signing Christian Yelich to that contract now, knowing they don't have that income coming in? Or do you have, you know, more teams kind of looking to rebuild after this? I don't know. Just throwing that out there. I mean, Brewers are kind of with the, just how their free agency went in a better situation than most uh, especially competing teams. Sure. You're on a bunch of yeah. contracts that you can just cut bait on. And yep, that's very true. That yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, with... meanwhile. Yeah, and exactly. your second biggest contract is coming off the books. Yeah, I mean, they really don't have money committed beyond Yelich and Kane to hardly anybody. I mean, I guess you could say like Freddie Peralta, but that's a relatively low amount of money for the next few years. Right. It, so. it's, it's pennies when you're looking at the cost of other major leaguers. Right. Um, and that's a cost control I think they'd take every single time. Yeah. Also, they're always looking to pay the least amount of money that they can for the most sure. part. So, uh, yeah, they maybe wouldn't have done a signing or two that they otherwise would have. But, uh, yeah, they, they're they trying to be cheap all the time within reason. So, I don't yeah. Know. I, I mean, I don't doubt that the Brewers are kind of in a better situation. But kind of looking at teams like Cincinnati Cincinnati or, or the White Sox. That. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cincinnati like, regrets a lot of things across time yeah <laughs> uh i'm not sure many teams regret anything more than uh, acquiring mookie bets for a year he's not going to play i mean yeah, yeah. The, the dodgers are in a weird spot with that for sure I mean, um, you you have to make that deal it's still a good deal but at the same time now when he might not even play for your team it's pretty rough I mean, at the same time, maybe they get him on a discount deal because his free agency is going to be shot after that's actually a good point, too. There's not going to be a lot of money flying around for the next free agency for sure. I I have actually been wondering in speculative future, we are not going to have a free agency where a lot of money is being thrown around. Probably leads to more free agents accepting the qualifying offer and playing another season. Yeah. But with how David Stearns has shown to love to take advantage of those bad situations, like we could potentially see a superstar on a one year and an option deal come into Milwaukee uh, as they try to rebuild their value. And David Stearns takes advantage of a market that's not throwing money around. I mean, we've already seen Milwaukee Mookie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he did that with with Yaz last year. He did it with Moustakis. Like he's done this almost exact thing just without the. It was it was a constricted baseball market. It wasn't a constricted overall market, and the reasons are totally different. But like we've already seen him do it. This is his mo. So right, and obviously they were saving up money again. And like I said, when when you're losing an eighteen million dollar contract off the books, it makes it easier to justify spending money and keeping that and still keeping that team profitable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely things to think about. As a reminder, if you do sign up for Patreon, you do get a shout out here on the podcast and you get those question priorities. Uh, No new patrons this week, but we do have an update on our uh, donation match challenge, Ryan, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, so we reached our goal of 500 on, was it Thursday night, and uh, made our donation, our $500 matching donation to uh, Hunger Task Force in, I got that right, right? It's Hunger Task Force. Correct. I just want to say the it other one. Task Force in Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah, I always want to say the one in Madison instead. But yeah, we made our, our matching uh, five hundred dollar donation to uh, that on Friday, and so thank you to everybody who not only to the people who who gave because you were in a position to do so and you're very generous with your your money on that, but also to people who helped us by like retweeting or getting the word out and and spreading the word, even though they may not have been in a position to to help out and do it themselves so thank you to everybody who contributed in some way to this 
uh, it's definitely a time of need and we wanted to to try to do something and hopefully this was everybody can feel good about the fact that they they helped out on this so thank you yeah absolutely uh we're we're more than happy to help out and and thrilled that you know you guys stepped up and came through and we're happy that we were able to to match that absolutely, absolutely. um so thanks to everybody who like Ryan said stepped up and and did what they could you know every every bit counted and we we thank you for that and you know kind of goes to show that you know people not only listen to this podcast but you know people in Wisconsin overall are are good folks and willing to help when they can so uh absolutely happy to help with that and and we're glad that it's all going to a good place and a, a place of need right now so thank you very much um on another note uh, you can also still support our podcast. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, anywhere else that you listen to the podcast. Please do subscribe and leave a rating and, you know, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. And we appreciate all the support. And, you know, anything you can do to to forward this on to your friends, we appreciate. Uh, in the meantime, hope everybody stays well, stays healthy. Get out and enjoy the nice weather. Uh, within reason and do it safely. In the meantime, we'll see you next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.